Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with part one of this message entitled, Tales of Two Cities. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 25, verse 2. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, I stand here this morning as chief of sinners, least of all your saints, but one whom you have chosen from the foundation of the world, effectually called and justified, brought into the kingdom of God, the one whom you have commissioned to preach the gospel, the one whom you have anointed by your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you put your words into my mouth, that I may declare your word to your people, open their hearts, Spirit of the living God, enlighten them, save them, comfort them, strengthen them, wipe their tears, remove their pain, drive away their confusion and darkness. Save us, we pray, by your mighty word, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now we are preaching from the book of Isaiah, the great prophecy that sees the whole plan of redemption in a panoramic way by this great prophet. A tale of two cities. A tale of two cities is told in chapter 24, 25, 26, and 27. Two cities are the city of God and the city of man. The city of man is that city that is organized without God and in direct opposition to him and to his holy city. A tale of two cities is also a tale of two peoples, the people of God and the people of this world. Metaphorically, it is the city of Zion and any other city like Moab, Babel, or Babylon. Let's turn to chapter 25 and verse 2. You have made the city a heap of rubble. The fortified town a ruin. The foreigner's stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. 25 verse 10 and following. The hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, but Moab will be trampled under him. A straw is trampled down in the manure. Verse 11, God will bring down their pride despite the cleverness of their hands. 
he will bring down your high fortified walls and lay them low. He will bring them down to the ground. Oh, look at chapter 27 and verse 10. The fortified city stands desolate. An abandoned settlement forsaken like the desert. And so on. In other words, the city of man, that city that is organized without God and in opposition to him, will be destroyed. Its pride will be brought down. And so, in chapter 26, and verse 5 and 6, he humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground. Casts it down to the dust. But in contrast to this city of man, the city of God is a strong city. Isaiah 26 In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. So the city of God is a strong city. It is indestructible. It is a city with foundation whose architect and builder is God himself. The people of God belong to this city of salvation. They enter into it by faith in Jesus Christ, who is the gate to this city. Remember what Jesus said, I'm the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. It is the city Abraham looked forward to and entered into. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12 where we see this city and every person who trusts in Jesus Christ enters into this city. Hebrews 12 beginning with verse 22 but you have come to Mount Zion that has nothing to do with literal Mount Zion To the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God, you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It is the city that the Apostle John saw in his vision. And we read in Revelation 21 and verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared us a bride, 
beautifully dressed for her husband. And verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel. And verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And verse 27, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So let us look at the city of God as we read about it in the 26th chapter of Isaiah. First thing is that it is a singing city. The people therein are people who are singing. Notice in that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. This city makes you sing. The people of God are rejoicing because they dwell in an impregnable city. They are totally secure from all their enemies. Therefore they sing of their salvation in the city of God as Moses and the Israelites sang after their redemption from Egypt. They sang this song, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse, the horse and the rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Secondly, this city is of divine provision. Unlike the Tower of Babel, unlike Babylon, unlike all other cities of this world, the city of God is not built by people. Its architect and builder is God. It is based on God's plan. It is his initiative. It is his work alone. It is the kingdom of God. It is the invisible church. It is the people of God chosen, called, justified, and glorified by him. It is the bride of Christ. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. So third, it is a strong city. As we read here. Its walls and ramparts spell salvation. Its foundation is the rock of ages. So also its walls and ramparts. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There the people of God enjoy eternal security. Neither death nor life or any 
Nothing else in all creation can destroy its walls and terrify its people. Let's turn to the 60th chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah 60, verse 17 through 19. I will make peace your governor and righteousness your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in your land. No ruin or destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will be brightness of moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. And Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 5 we read, And I myself will be a wall of fire around it declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. It's a strong city. Number four, let's look at the gates of the city. And we read in verse two, open the gates. No one can enter this city unless the gates are open to him. And no one is admitted to the city unless he is washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. You can come and knock at the gate and say, Lord, 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 open it for us. We have prophesied, we have performed miracles, we have cast out demons. The Lord will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. No one can enter this city unless he is washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the gate of this city. Without recognizing his person and his work in our behalf. No one can come into this strong city of God. If you confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart. That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Only those who are born of God. Will see and enter the kingdom of God. Let's turn to. The last book of the Bible. The book of Revelation. And let me read. Verse 14. And 15. Blessed are those who wash their robes. That they may have the right to the tree of life. And may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic arts. The sexually immoral. The murderers. The adulterers. And everyone who loves and practice falsehood. God opens the gates as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The elect sinner will be convicted of his sins and will cry out, what must I do to be saved? And right here in this place, 
Oh yes, there are citizens who belong to the city of God. But also there are citizens of the city of this world. And I give you a fair warning. If you are trusting in your cleverness, in your wisdom, in your power, in your might, you shall not be admitted to the eternal kingdom of God, the city of God. Therefore, I plead with you, old and young, that you may repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ alone, that you may enter into this city and be saved. Into this strong city whose walls spell salvation, whose foundation is the rock of ages, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. God opens the gates as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are doing that this morning for you. I pray that you will be convicted of your sins. And I pray that you will cry out, what must I do to be saved? You are about to die. You are about to die. And I want to tell you, those who trust in Jesus Christ alone will enter the city of God and be safe. And so, open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. The nation that keeps faith. Either you are outside of this city or you are inside. Where are you at this moment of your life? Outside or inside? Are you a citizen of the city of God? Or are you a citizen of the city of man? Can you say with the Apostle Paul, our citizenship is in heaven? Are you seated with Christ in heavenly place? Do you set your affections on things above? Do you fix your eyes on Jesus Christ alone, the author and finisher of your faith? What is it in your field of vision? Either it shall be Jesus Christ or yourself. So I urge you to enter into this city. The city of salvation, the city of life, the city that is strong by faith in Jesus Christ. The gate is open. It says open the gate. It's opened. Right now it is open. As I preach the gospel, it is open. Turn with me to Psalms 24. And listen to this language. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. No one can enter into this city unless he is justified freely by God's grace. Number five. The citizen in this city experiences continuously perfect peace. Notice verse 3, you will keep him 
in perfect peace. In the Hebrew, it is a repetition of the word shalom. Shalom, shalom. When the Jewish people greet each, meet each other, they would say shalom aleichem. Peace be unto you. Here, we are told who will have peace. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Every citizen of the city of God experiences shalom, shalom, peace, peace. The word peace is repeated to express its amplitude. In other words, a believer in Jesus Christ will experience total peace. Abundance of peace. Peace like a river. A flowing river. Nothing will disturb him. Why nothing will disturb him? Because the cause for disturbance is taken away. Sin will be dealt with. God forgives all our sins. Sin in its totality will be blotted out. And you'll be clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And therefore, there is peace. 112th Psalm, let's turn to it and mark it. It is speaking about the citizen of the city of God and his expedience of salvation. 112th Psalm 6 through 8. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will remembered will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast. His mind is stayed. Fixed. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. The same idea is found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17. And verses 6 and 7 and 8. We read from verse 7 and 8. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. You ask the question, what is the basis of this abounding and everlasting peace? And you have to go to Isaiah 53, which tells us, by his stripes we are healed. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. That's why we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ, that Christ died. Suffered the wrath was that will do us. He suffered in our place. And we experience peace like a river. 
Paul says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And St. Paul says again in Philippians chapter 4, Oh, what a great proclamation of this peace. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Be not anxious about anything. 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 Be not anxious about anything. And if you are a citizen of the city of this world, you will be anxious about everything. You have no competence to be confident. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And notice, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, all human figuring out. Will God your hearts and your minds, your God us with a garrison? It will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, you will experience peace. Then everything else crumbles all around you. When your child dies, you will experience peace. The wrath of God against you is suffered by Jesus Christ in your place. That's why we declare Christ died for your sin and was raised for your justification. God has become your heavenly father. The eternal son is your redeemer and savior. And the Holy Spirit is your comforter. My question this morning is, do you, as you are about to die, do you experience this peace now? This peace is the inheritance of everyone whose mind is stayed on the Lord. Is your mind stayed on the Lord? Or stayed on your money? Or collection of artworks? What is it stayed on? Maybe your mind is stayed on your children to take care of you. I feel pity for you if your mind is not stayed on the Lord, the rock of ages, as the text tells us. Look at 26, Isaiah 26 verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord, it is repeated again for great emphasis. The Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Strong to bear you up. Strong to shade you and shelter you and provide for you. You are a fool if you trust in your children, in your money, in your wealth, in your degree, in your wife, in your husband. They can do nothing. To give you peace. The peace is the inheritance of everyone whose mind is stayed on the Lord. St. Paul says, the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Have you learned to fix your eyes on Jesus? The author and finisher of your faith. He is the prince of peace. And he accomplished peace 
for us on the cross. Is your heart fixed on Jesus Christ and his word? Turn with me to 112th Psalm and verse 7. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is fixed, steadfast, anchored, unchangingly, not vacillating, not double-minded, fixed forever, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure, and he will have no fear. This is the very word of God. Remember Peter, he was walking on water. Outside of Jesus Christ, there's only one person who walked on water. That's Jesus Christ. He invited him to come out of the boat, walk on water, and he did. And then he looked at the waves, and he began to sink. And that is the truth. When we look upon anything else other than the Lord, we will sink. A double-minded man, a doubting man, enjoys no peace at all. He is unstable. And so he fears, he stumbles, he falls. Jesus Christ said, you cannot serve two masters. People are trying to prove Jesus Christ wrong. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and the world. The citizen of the city of God worships and serves God only. The true and living God. It is he who enjoys great peace. Shalom, shalom. St. Paul says, we rejoice in tribulations also. The citizen of the city of God leans not on to his own cleverness, but on to the rock of ages, everlasting rock, able to bear you up, able to give you shade, Able to shelter you from all harm. Able to provide you cool drink when you are thirsty. Because this rock was beaten. This rock is Christ. He trusts in the Lord. And notice, the citizen of the city of God, because he trusts in the Lord, he exhorts every. Everybody else, this verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. He is experiencing the peace of God that passes all human understanding because of his faith in Jesus Christ. When you know truth and convinced of truth, you will evangelize. You will declare and you will proclaim without shame, with confidence. And you will tell the citizens of the city of man. You will tell them, you are fools. You are trusting in man. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. And as a father, you will declare this to your children. As a mother, you will declare it to your children. You will tell them, sports is okay. Bodily exercise profiteth a little. But godliness is profitable in this age and in the age to come. One thing is needful, son. And if you, Father, you know, if you know this truth, if you experience this great peace, your great desire is that your children may enter into this city.
Open the gates wide for them by declaring the gospel. Tell them, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. The citizen in the city of God, he looks back and he sees all his sins blotted out. Isn't that an amazing sight that promote great peace? And he looks around. As he lives in this world, he looks around and he says, All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And he looks beyond. And the Bible says that we are already glorified. Called, justified, and what? Glorified. Our destiny is not uncertain, it is also accomplished. Chosen, predestinated, called, justified, glorified, in Christ, adopted into the very family of God. And you look inward, and what do you see? The peace of God that passes all human understanding, guarding my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And you look upward, and what do you see? Christ Jesus, risen, ascended, seated on the right hand of God the Father, head of the church, sovereign Lord of the universe. That ought to give us great peace, you see. The beauty of the doctrine of the sovereignty of God is in control of all things. And his hand holds me and grips me. Let me read to you a hymn by Edward Henry Bickersteth. It's an interesting hymn. And I hope you will understand this as we sing at the end. Peace, perfect peace in this dark world of sin? Question mark. And the answer. The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. Peace, perfect peace by Thronging duties pressed. All these duties. The answer. To do the will of Jesus. This is rest. Have you ever discovered that? To do the will of Jesus is rest. Number three. Peace, perfect peace. With sorrow surging round. And question mark. What do you mean peace, perfect peace? When sorrows are surging round me. The answer. On Jesus' bosom, nothing but calm is found. And where am I? In the bosom of Jesus. Peace, perfect peace, with loved ones far away. <laughs> they flew the coop and they're gone. Answer. In Jesus' keeping, we are safe and they. Peace, peace, perfect peace. Our future all unknown. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Answer. Jesus we know. And he's on the throne. Peace, perfect peace. Death shadowing us and ours. Well, there is an answer for that. Jesus has vanquished death. And all its powers. And finally. It's enough 
earth's struggles soon shall cease. And Jesus call us to heaven's perfect peace. There are people here who don't know this peace at all. The reason you don't know is because you are still a citizen of the city of man. You heard about the gospel, you heard about Jesus Christ. But in your pride, in your arrogance, you laughed at it. You made a joke of it. You mocked it. But now you must die. You must die. It is decreed. It is appointed. Your money will fail you. Your mother will fail you. Your wife will fail you. Your position, your degree. Everything will fail you. Your children that you hoped will help you will fail you at the right time. And you must die. The sad thing is it is not the end. You must face him. The eternal God who gave you life. 50 years, 70 years, whatever it is. There was only one purpose, chief purpose for your life. To believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. There is no other savior. No one else died in your place. No one else was raised from the dead. There's no other savior. So one savior. You heard about him. The truth is people spoke to you. You cannot be in this country without hearing Jesus Christ. But you didn't trust in him. You didn't humble before him. You didn't own your sin. You didn't acknowledge your sin. You didn't repent of your sins. You didn't put your faith in Jesus Christ. You didn't say Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. You didn't say have mercy upon me a sinner. But God extended your life. And you are still living. Breathing. Able to think. Pretty soon we will stop thinking. And your children will put you in some place. Where they will strap you. Because you will get up. And you forget to put clothes on. You will wander around. And they will grab you and bring you back. These are realities. But thanks be to God. You are able to think now. And you are here. Hearing the gospel. What must I do to be saved? Humble yourself and say, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And trust in Jesus Christ. And say, Jesus, (laughs) I believe that you are the Son of God. You are God who took upon human nature that you may die in my place. And I believe that you died in my place also. Have mercy upon me, forgive my sins. The thief on the cross, he said, remember me. (laughs) Remember me. When you come in your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He was saved. The same opportunity is for you. Young or old, it's for you. We were speaking about a strong city. Whose walls and ramparts are salvation. Whose builder and maker is God. A strong city 
in which there is peace, abounding peace, peace like a river. It's yours. You can have it now. Not tomorrow. You can have it now. If you believe in Jesus Christ. Acknowledge your need. Tell that I thought I could handle myself. I thought I could save myself as we read in this chapter. We thought we were pregnant. We were going to give birth to a child. But we gave gave birth to what? To wind. We did not effect salvation. But Jesus Christ did not give birth to wind. He gave birth to salvation. His salvation is for you. If you trust in Jesus Christ. If you trust in Jesus Christ. (laughs) You will be saved. You will experience peace like a river. And it is the very word of God who cannot lie. Do not trust in man. Trust in God who cannot lie. And his very word is truth. Thy word is truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Forgive us our arrogance, our pride, our self-confidence. In our field of vision, before we only saw myself. We were narcissists. We fell in love with ourselves. We spoke about self-esteem. We didn't say we are sinners. We were proud and arrogant. Oh God, forgive us all our sins. Have mercy upon us. We trust in your word. Open the gates of your strong city to us. Wash us in the blood of Jesus Christ. That we may come into your city as righteous people. As people of faith. As those who trust in the Lord, the eternal rock. Receive us, O God, into your kingdom. For we repent of our sins and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, the only Savior. Hallelujah. Thank you for being a friend of sinners. Thank you for welcoming sinners. That you will not reject anyone who comes to you in faith. You said, come unto me. And I'll give you rest. All the weary people come unto him. Receive rest for your souls. Hallelujah. And you will sing this song. We have a strong city. Its walls are salvation. Its ramparts are salvation. It's full of peace. There is a river. That makes glad the city of God. God is within her. Nothing in all creation is able to scare me. Shake me. Cause me to be afraid. We are reminded of the last words of Jonathan Edwards. People were standing around. He is the president of Princeton. Just appointed for the job. And he is dying. And they thought he died. And they expressed this concern. What are we going to do? What's going to happen to the university? What's going to happen to us? And then he opened his eyes. And said. Trust in the Lord. And you shall not be afraid. And he died. Oh God. 
we trust in you and we will not be afraid in Jesus name we pray amen you have been listening to grace and glory audio presenting this message from the bible series on the book of isaiah come back soon for more bible teaching from pastor pg matthew <laughs>